Hello, podcast listeners, especially those of you who've been around since the early days. The show will begin in just a moment. Stick around for that. But first, we have a bit of an announcement for some changes coming up to our podcast. Since we started doing the Back Row Morning Show in place of our once weekly podcast, the Back Row Baptist Podcast, we have racked up over 170 new episodes, averaging about an hour apiece over the past 15 months. Even with our few hiatuses, that's about 12 new episodes every month on average. As you know, the Back Row Morning Show is an exclusive of Back Row Radio, which is a listener-supported and ad-free online Christian radio station. We don't exist without our patrons, those who support us every month with a financial donation that helps us purchase music for the station each week, pay for licensing, apps, and advertising, and covers our hosting costs both for the station itself and for the podcast. So after over a year and roughly 200 hours of morning show content, we are making a change that will be a perk for our patrons and hopefully encourage more of you to support our ministry financially. After this Thursday's show on November 14th, we will be changing the way that we do podcasts. From that date forward, Forward, we will only be sharing a portion of our daily show for free. Each day we have a show, we will choose one particularly interesting or entertaining segment from that show that day to share through the podcast feed. However, the full podcast will only be available to our Patreon donors, members of our private Facebook group, The Scoop. Our patrons, otherwise known as our scoopers, will have exclusive access to the full shows the afternoon after our show airs live on Back Row Radio. Now, if you are an avid listener of the show, but not a patron, do not fear, it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg. You can become a scooper by joining our Patreon group with a donation as little as $1 a month. Though we hope you'll prayerfully consider giving a little bit more. Any donation amount will get you invited to our Facebook group and you'll remain there as long as you are an active donor. If by chance you aren't on Facebook but still want access to the full podcast after becoming a patron, don't worry because each Patreon donor will receive a custom RSS link to add to your podcast player of preference, ensuring that you never miss an episode. To sign up to become a financial supporter of your new favorite Christian radio station, visit us at patreon.com slash radio. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash back row radio thank you and enjoy the show Second day of the week. I, I was going to say Tipsy Tuesday. Tipsy Tuesday. <laughs> that's better than yours. Very inappropriate, Mo. Well, you know, get a little tipsy <laughs> off your coffee this morning. Not with anything in your coffee, just your coffee. Reel it back, Mo. Reel it back. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if we have listeners today, then it's because they loved us enough yesterday to come back, okay? Oh, gosh. Yesterday was hard. Yesterday was a rough show, Today's going to be our redemption show, oh, okay? don't promise that. We might well, a, we might still be in it. It's already started <laughs> off bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where to go from here. Coming up on today's oh show. Oh, my gosh. Six mistakes we make with new believers, plus the latest news, random facts, and more. But first, it is October 12th. No. No, it's not. I say October. Yeah. November 12th. I hope I didn't say October yesterday. I feel like I might have. November 12th. <laughs> Mo, <laughs> this is going to be a terrible show. We just need to start over. Everyone just abort. <laughs> abort mission. Abort. abort. Okay. Okay. So we here, can are, do this. here are our holidays. Are you ready? <laughs> For November 12th. Yes, November 12th's holidays. Yesterday was November 11th, in case we flubbed that up. Um, it's National French Dip Day. So, that's like... It's like the... 
Like the Aju? Is that what that is? No. Is that the same thing? No. So I'm thinking like the dip that you dip your chips in. Oh, no. The white creamy. That's, that's French dip? Yeah, but I don't think that's what the day is, is it? I'll be disappointed <laughs> if it is. I'm going to Google it. You sounded very feminine just then. <laughs> <laughs> feminine? I just want you to know. Uh, oh, is it? Gross. No, so- it's not. Oh, it's okay. what I'm thinking of. It's the it's the where you get a sandwich and they give you that cup of the, the, the meat juice runoff that you dip your sandwich nah. in. <laughs> you need to find more friends, my friend. Why? Because I like sandwiches? No, because I, I can tell that you've been hanging out with Megan Kelly. Why? <laughs> what am I doing? One, you sounded like her. And two, you just did her happy dance. Did I? <laughs> <laughs> two fingers in the air. <laughs> <laughs> that is Daniel Bryan's happy dance. Uh, okay. No, Megan Kelly made That's that. Yes, 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 movement chant. Nope, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> National French Dip Day. On November 12th, warm up some Aju and celebrate National French Dip Day. Served up hot, tender slices of beef or pork on a French roll made up a delicious sandwich. Shout out to MK out there. <laughs> you are rubbing off on Matt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's also National Pizza Day with the Works Except Anchovies Day. Mm. National Pizza with the Works Except Anchovies Day. Do uh, we were talking about this? Me and uh, John were talking about this the other day. Do restaurant? Do fast food? Um, fast food. Do pizza places even offer anchovies anymore? Like I don't. I don't think they're at like the chain restaurants anymore. Because I never see that as an option, like on the I know, like when I order online and I, yeah. I choose my toppings, I don't ever I, see I don't anchovies. Ever, I feel like it would but listen, be pointed I'm not out. missing it. Right. I'm so, just like, I'm, I feel like it's becoming less and less popular to the point where maybe it's not even a thing anymore. Yeah. Anchovies on pizza. It's an Italian thing. Right. And they put them <laughs> in like Caesar salads and stuff, like the real Caesar salads out there with the artichokes and the... I really like anchovies. They put them on sandwiches as well. Ooh, ooh. So I we're about to go into a quick story time, real quick. (laughs) Matt just huffed. (laughs) No, I'm just. I don't want to. I don't want to be grossed out. Is all. Okay. So I had to tell this story last week in Bible study because we were talking about hospitality, and we had to tell a story of a time that we were either hospitable or someone was hospitable to us, and it either went really well or really bad, okay? So when we first lived in Italy, we lived on the economy. There is no base housing, so we had an Italian landlord, and our Italian landlord, it was an older couple, um, probably about 75 or 80, and they spoke very, 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 very little English, enough to where... We could say hello, we could do a greeting, and then he could write English, mm. but he couldn't speak it. So that's how we communicated. Well, he and his wife invited us over for dinner within our first month or so of, of living in Italy. And so we were super excited. We thought, okay, we get to go have a real authentic Italian dinner at this Italian couple's home. We are doing Italy the way that Italy should be done. Okay? Mm. So we don't eat lunch. Our boys are, I mean, Cannon's not even two yet. Topher just turned three. So they're tiny. And we go over to our landlord's house expecting this full course pasta and bread and dessert. (laughs) What we don't know is that lunch is Italian's big meal. Dinner is more of their smaller light meal, what we think of Uh, as a lunch. Okay, so they have these. Probably a good idea. It is a good idea. Health wise. It is a very good idea. But they have these tiny little sandwiches, okay? Like just what you think of with like a tea party. Okay, yeah, like finger sandwiches. Yes. Um, (coughs) And then little cakes and cookies. And I'm already starving. <laughs> so so what's everybody else eating? Exactly. Um, <laughs> but these sandwiches, one were what we assumed was egg salad. That's the best that we could <laughs> make it to be. And then the other was some sort of canned meat with anchovies on top. Oh. It was awful. Absolutely (laughs) awful. And before we could stop him, our dear, sweet, less than two-year-old Cannon 
grabs an anchovy sandwich and shoves it in his mouth because he too is starving and then pukes it all up. Oh. It was bad. Oh. So anchovies are a for real thing in Italy, but they don't need to make it over here. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. So that was my story time for the day. All right. Story time with Mo. It's also, <laughs> lastly, National Young Readers Day. Book it challenge. That's what? where everything started going downhill for me, weight-wise. Read a book. Read enough books, you get a free personal pizza. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Reading books got me fat, everybody. That's my that's my statement, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> I'm kidding. Most voice, most face right now. It's just one of utter disbelief. <laughs> Today's uh, show is brought to you by Backrow Games, Backrow Radio's own card game side project with games like Judge Not, Backrow Baptist the Game, and the Punishment Deck. Judge Not has been updated and expanded, now has four brand new expansions to the original game, including a Christmas version. Similar to the popular games Most Likely 2 and The Voting Game, this church culture-focused game of specs and planks will be a huge hit with your close friends. Backrow Baptist the Game has also been updated, a smaller board and simpler play, play mechanic, but 200 170 trivia cards ranging from simple Bible trivia to uh, Joel Osteen and Fort- or Fortune Cookie or Bible or not. Fun games that we like to play here on the show. Uh, check all of these out and more at backrowradio.com forward slash games. It's time for 11th Commandments. When you join our Facebook community, Backrow Baptist Church, we ask you three questions. Two of them are just to make sure you know what you're getting yourself into. And the last one is your chance to be funny, to prove to us that you're a funny person. And uh, some of you fail. Most of you fail. But some of you have some good ones here. So we got two that we're going to share with you today. And Mo's going to kick that off. All right. So our first one comes from Joel Murray. He says, you shall not post on social media without taking a moment first. Which is... Some of the best advice ever. Yeah, absolutely. Because I feel like this should be a parenting. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is something you should teach your children. When you give them a phone and help them open up their first social media account, <laughs> you say, do not post without taking a moment first. Yeah, it's it's it has saved my bacon quite a few times <laughs> in where I have... I, I really try not to get into any kind of debates or any kind of arguments online anymore. But there are times when I start typing and I will type out this long, huge paragraph of just a, just an angry response with with a bibliography of, of references to prove I'm right. And then right before I hit send, I'm like, do I really want to do this? <laughs> Is this really going to be beneficial or is it just going to cause more problems? Okay, I'm going to delete it. <laughs> and so I delete it. I feel a little bit better for letting it out as I typed, but I don't have to suffer the consequences of it. Some of the best advice ever. I agree. Also, I agree. when you're angry, period, you should take that moment and say, is this really a good idea to post this? Even if it's a few days, guys. <laughs> We understand. Uh, our second <coughs> our second 11th commandment comes from Andy Stevenson, who says, Thou shalt not hide raisins in baked goods. Raisins in baked goods defile a person. Preach. Chris would agree with this 100%. Me too. I, on the other hand, oatmeal raisin cookies are my fave. Mm-mm. Dave. But see, that's I can not understand it. the argument behind it though. Like Chris says that that's where his trust issues came into play. He ate an oatmeal raisin cookie thinking it was chocolate chip yeah. and but his still, world's been ruined since. Raisins but. raisins belong in that cookie because it's in the name. Oatmeal like raisin, you, thank you. But it's like when it's not in the name. When there's there's no evidence that raisins are going to be in something and then you just have a surprise raisin, that's never a good thing. Like what? Like a, a muffin or anything like that, that's not, or a cookie that's not labeled with raisin in the name. Okay. Well, and I know some people that put raisins in their carrot cake, and that oh. kind of frustrates oh. me. Oh, gross. Because it's it, carrot cause cake. Because number one, you're not expecting it. Number two, when it's like baked into something, it's almost like a snot consistency. No, I can agree point. with that. Yeah. And so I, you don't I want can that, agree. Random, that random texture and flavor. 
Um, my son, my son Jonathan, used to like raisins, and for some reason he stopped liking them. But but we know he's eaten them so many times before that he's got to like them. I think he just doesn't like the the texture because he's not a he's not a fan of sticky stuff. And so we've been trying ways to trick him into eating raisins, and like they have the. They have like these sour raisins that taste like sour strawberry or whatever, but mm-hmm. it's still all fruit. The golden you know, raisins. Right, and stuff like that. So we've been getting in those and trying to trick him, and he's not falling for it because it still looks like a raisin. So we bought the yogurt covered ones. Yeah. That look like candy. Mm-hmm. And we're, so my wife is trying to get uh, him to try some. And Eli, our older boy, is coming around and going, What are those? Can I have some of those? And she's like, yes, but just be quiet about them, okay? Don't say anything about them. And he takes a bite and he goes, there's a raisin in there! And <laughs> and Tadric goes, will you shut up? That was never going to eat them. And sure enough, he didn't even try it. He's all, raisin? Nope, nope. You're not tricking me, Mom. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, we just can't do That's it. That's your kid. <laughs> That has Matt written all over uh, it. Yeah, I am a big texture phobe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, hey, everybody. Today's the day Disney Plus has arrived. And with that, the Lady and the Tramp remake is here, too. And it is sure to inspire a few future pet owners to name their dogs after the titular pups. But according to the survey from Smart Dog Collar Company, uh, Fee... Or Fi, F-I, I don't know how you pronounce it. Neither Lady nor Tramp holds the top Disney dog name right now. Fi looked for uh, looked at their database of over 1.6 million dogs and sorted out all the canines named after Disney characters, finding out which character inspired the most pooch names. While Lady ranked in the top five, the beloved Cocker Spaniel did not rank number one. The honor belongs to Daisy Duck, of all people. Okay. Lady earned the number two spot with 5.1% of the Disney dogs. The third, fourth, and fifth places went to Zeus, Belle, and Mickey. All right. Here's my thing, though. Hmm. How do they know that Daisy and Zeus... Yeah, uh, Zeus really brought me... Uh, are directly thought, named yeah. after like Disney characters. Right. Like my great like... grandmother's name is Daisy. I could have named my dog after her. That's that's not the compliment you make it out to me. <laughs> Why? Naming my dog after a human person? Listen, she was very influential in my life. The dog? My grandmother. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, goodness gracious. You um, name a child after her, then you don't name a... I can't have any more kids, Matt. You can adopt. Okay. <laughs> Weird conversation. I just don't think that they can prove, unless it's actually, the dog's name is actually Daisy, Daisy Duck. Duck. Yeah. But I don't think that they can prove that it was Daisy, even Belle. I no, mean, I feel like Belle would have to be. And I even feel like Daisy would mostly be. Because I really don't hear the name Daisy anywhere else these you're days. You're crazy. But you're Zeus, crazy, Daisy. <laughs> but Zeus, I'm fully 100% with you. I feel like that is a... Like when I hear Zeus, I hear like a bulldog name. Like a, some, some buff looking dog. Yeah. And that's what I think is just a common name. For Thor, like a, Thor and Zeus is what I'm here. Yeah. Thinking. And not necessarily. But see, so Belle <laughs> means beauty in yeah. French. Yeah. And so it could very easily just be. So anyway, that's my <laughs> argument. Like if you had told me it was Purdy from 101 Dalmatians. Okay. There you go. <laughs> or Pongo. Pongo exactly. Yeah. We had a lab who we named Pongo because of 101 Dalmatians. It was my brother's favorite movie when he was little. So that was directly named. But, and you don't hear that name anywhere else. That's true. Yeah. But these, (laughs) these are not convincing me. So label Mo skeptical. I'm the ever skeptic. (laughs) 
super cynical, can't convince me of anything. It's lucky I'm a believer, because... Because <laughs> <laughs> the odds were not in my favor. <laughs> when we come back, misconceptions you might believe, thanks to the Looney Tunes. Stick around. Hey, have you heard? We're so glad that you're listening to the Backroom Morning Show in its podcast form. But we hear there's actually an entire radio station that plays some amazing Christian music throughout the show and all day long. We've heard and now you have too. Join us at BackrowRadio.com and stream online or download our free app for iPhone and Android. Backrow Radio, Christian music in every flavor. And may the Lord bless you and keep you and give you peace. Enjoy the Sunday afternoon. You're dismissed. Wasn't that a great sermon? Yeah, come on, let's go. No, there's the Johnsons. Let's see how they're doing. No, 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 let's go. Why? Are we doing something this afternoon? I just want to hear a sermon and go home. If we hang around here too long, then somebody might ask us to do something. Is that so bad? I don't want to spend all day at church. I came, I listened, I sang. Now, come on, let's go. Dear, we are part of this body of believers. We should be doing something. Can't we be a part of the body, but not a functioning part of the body? You mean like dandruff? Yeah, no. no. Look, I just want to ask John if he found a job yet. John's out of work? Yeah, the last four months. He told me at the men's breakfast last week. How's Sarah taking it? I'm not sure. Oh, I should talk to her. I thought we just wanted to go home. How can you think of bolting out of here when people need to be encouraged? I didn't. Sometimes you just don't think. Me? Oh, shush. Back to the Back Row Morning Show here on this Tuesday morning. Glad to have you with us. Matt and Mo in the studio. And we're going to kick off the second hour with five random facts. Five random facts. They have me slightly confused, you guys. <laughs> and, and scared. Fearing for my life. More than 50% of pilots have admitted to falling asleep mid-flight. And 29% of them said that when they woke up, their co-pilot was asleep also. <laughs> so I know that there's all those controls and it's like autopilot essentially. Yeah. yeah. I know that. I get all that. But still, what if a bird comes out of nowhere <laughs> and gets caught in the engine? In the wing. We're going down. <laughs> And pilot John and co-pilot Dave up front are just taking a snooze. Napping away. Like it's no big deal. <laughs> um, Elmo's favorite food, and I'm assuming Elmo as in... The puppet, yeah. Yay, His favorite food is wasabi. That's why he doesn't have eyelids, according to a 2010 Q&A. <laughs> <laughs> Gerbils are illegal to have as pets in California. The state's climate is similar to that of a ro- of the rodent's natural habitat, and if they were to escape, could form feral colonies that would disrupt the ecosystem. Mm. Okay. I had a gerbil. <sighs> we have hamsters, and they're disgusting. Yeah, gerbils like, were pretty gross, too. I admitted this to a group of my mom friends earlier this week, and I don't know what it says about me, but I'm like, 
trying to figure out ways to kill these hamsters <laughs> without my kids knowing that I killed the hamsters. And that they just naturally died. They just died of natural causes. They got sick. I don't know. <laughs> Is that awful? It's terrible, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're so gross and they don't do anything. And the only ones that you can keep as pets are males. You can't keep female ones? So typically you're not supposed to keep a female hamster because then they'll reproduce and reproduce and reproduce and reproduce and reproduce and and they just won't stop. Okay. So we got our male hamsters from PetSmart. Okay. And we specifically said, are these boys or girls? And they're like, no, they're both. There were three in a cage. They're all males. You don't want to have a female hamster as a pet that just comes with a lot of extra issues. Didn't ask what those extra issues were, but okay, whatever. (laughs) But if a female's reproductive system is anything like a male's reproductive system on the hamster's I don't want females because males is plenty enough. I'm done. <laughs> it's nasty. It is so gross. I can't. I can't. I'm just done. <laughs> so I really do like if anybody wants to take these hamsters, I will be. I will feel free to ship them to you. I'll send you everything that we have for them. <laughs> or come break into my house. Or I'll leave steal the, front the door yeah unlocked. exactly. I'll tell Sneak you exactly in. where right. in the house you have to go to find them. Um. <laughs> Or if you have some tips and tricks for me to make a hamster's death look natural, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> what kind of poison won't show up in a toxicology report on this hamster's death? I'm just saying. <laughs> like, I've considered letting my cat, like, leaving the thing open and letting my cat go in there. <laughs> But then the kids would be like, you purposely left the cage open. They can't do it. I mean, my kids are old enough at this point to figure that out. So <laughs> To know your schemes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the word stain means no, land. No. Stan. Oh, but look, <laughs> I thought stain was better. <laughs> the word stan means land or nation in ancient Persia. See, like stain a nation. <laughs> That's why so many countries end in stan. Yeah. Got it. Okay. There's actually a difference between coffins and caskets. Coffins are typically tapered and six-sided, while caskets are rectangular. I guess I've never seen a coffin then. Yeah, coffin is like typically what Dracula comes out of. You know, one of those kind of hexagonal looking boxes. But it's still oblong. It's still, yeah, it's still oblong, but it's it's six-sided. It, it kind of rounds around the person. While. Okay, then maybe I've never just, seen a casket. A casket's just a rectangle. Box. Yeah. Maybe I've never seen a casket then. Well, I'm almost certain you've seen a casket. That's what normally you see. But the top is always rounded. No, 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 no not the top. The top's fine. We're talking about the sides. The way it's laid out on the sides is more like a elongated hexagon or yeah hexagon than a rectangle okay like so the coffins when you... the coffins that you see in halloween decorations you yeah. know what i mean yeah those are those are caskets or no i mean those are those are coffins i'm, I'm sorry. so confused i'm confused now those are coffins those are the six-sided things that's like the traditional almost scary looking okay things and what we see normally in funerals and stuff like that now, those are the caskets, the rectangular caskets. So you're performing another funeral in a couple weeks, right? I'm not performing. Uh, I'm perf- well, I, well, yes, officiating. Actually, I'm not officiating. Oh. I'm performing at a funeral. Oh, okay. I'm doing three songs at one funeral. Okay. Oh. Um. So when you know how everybody has their opportunity to walk past the body and. Uh-huh. Okay, so I'm going to need you to take a little extra time (laughs) 
Well, but this time you're not looking at the body. You're pretending like you're looking at the body. But I'm going to need you to really take some extra time to look at the coffin slash casket and figure out which one it is. Oh, it'll definitely be a casket. I don't even think they sell You say anymore. that with such a like certainty. <laughs> I've been to so many funerals, Mo. <laughs> They've always been caskets. But see, this fact has me questioning it. <laughs> I'm trying to think back to all the funerals I've been well, to. I and think I'm the, like, fact, the fact isn't really pointing out that you're, you're going to see one or the other. I think the fact is pointing out that we call caskets coffins too often when that's not really what they are. Okay. That's what it is. I typically say casket. Do you? I think I typically say coffin. I think I get it wrong. So I guess they're just saying those words aren't interchangeable. They are two different things. Somebody got really frustrated (laughs) about hearing their friends using the words. I think that was the longest five random facts we've had. My bad. I'm so sorry. Not just because of that one. Uh, looking for a reason to take a sick day or want to make some extra cash? Scientists are currently searching for healthy volunteers who are willing to be infected with the flu virus to see how it affects the body. Volunteers will be compensated up to $3,300. Led by the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, uh, researchers are looking for up to 80 healthy people between 18 and 50 years old to be infected with influenza A, the seasonal flu virus. Volunteers will receive a nasal spray containing the virus and will spend around 10 days under observation until they are no longer contagious. No, thank you. <laughs> you nope. wouldn't do it for $3,300? Listen, it's not for $3,300. <laughs> it's for up to $3,300. So when I read that, I see that the people who are like on their deathbed during this, they they're the, the ones prize. that get the top prize. <laughs> I might get $300. Even though I've spent two days puking my brains out, they're going to determine, yeah, well, you didn't suffer that much, so here's your compensation. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. (laughs) It's that phrasing, up to. Up to. My mama didn't raise no fool. Like going to a sale, you see from far away, 50% off, and you get up there, tiny letters, up to 50% off. 50% off. Walk in there, everything's 5% off. Yeah. It's like, well, it's a possibility that there's something somewhere. We might have a toothbrush that's 50% off Uh in the back. All right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It is Topless Tuesday. List. Top List Tuesday. And we got a top list for you. Uh, We got, well, it's not technically a top list because I'm not going to read all 10 of these. Uh, It is a list of 10 misconceptions that you might have based on watching Looney Tunes cartoons. Uh-oh. Uh, but we're just going to read a few of them. I'm excited for this. <laughs> so the first one is that rabbits love carrots. The most identifi- uh, identifi- <laughs> identifiable... Identifiable. Identifiable. I was having an affluential moment from, <laughs> from you in the last... Wow. <laughs> the most identifiable... She threw a paperclip at me. Hit me in the ear. The most identifiable <laughs> image of Bugs Bunny shows the rabbit munching on a carrot asking, what's up, Doc? The problem with this is that rabbits and hares in the wild would avoid the carrot. Carrots and other root vegetables are full of sugar, which rabbits are unequipped to digest. Rabbits typically eat grass, hay, and dark leafy greens. While a domesticated rabbit can eat a carrot, it is a bad idea to feed carrots to your pet bunny regularly. It's akin to being force-fed candy daily. You may appreciate the treat, but it is doing nothing positive for your health. Did you give your bunny carrots? Is that how you killed your bunny? Nope, but I'm about to try it on the hamsters. (laughs) (laughs) Go buy me some baby carrots. Here you go, hamsters. Eat up. I'll Uh, let you know next week if we still have hamsters or not. Another misconception from Looney Tunes. A roadrunner can outrace a coyote. A running gag on the show is Wiley Coyote chasing the Roadrunner, only for the Roadrunner to leave the hapless Coyote in the dust. In real Maybe. life, the chase would go differently. The greater Roadrunner, the species of Roadrunner likely to live in the American Southwest, is a long-legged member of the cuckoo family. The bird tends to weigh about a half a pound as an adult and is between 20 and 24 inches in length. Greater Roadrunners typically run 20 miles per hour. 
but has been reported to reach 26 miles per hour. A coyote, however, averages between 32 and 37 inches long, not counting its tail, and weighs between 20 and 50 pounds as an, as an adult. A coyote prefers to stalk, but it can run as fast as 43 miles per hour if needed. Nearly twice as much. So unless the Roadrunner had a large head start or can somehow trick the coyote into slamming headfirst into a tunnel, the coyote itself painted on the canyon wall, a coyote can easily catch a Roadrunner. <laughs> I would have never guessed that. Yeah, me neither. Uh, let's see. Cats and skunks. Cats don't look like skunks, even if they have a white uh, line painted on them. So Pepe Le Pew needs to leave my cat alone. Uh, okay, here's one. Dogs hate cats. Evolutionary zoologists have found that there's nothing about a cat that makes a dog hate it. To the contrary, if the two animals are raised together, cats and dogs can see each other as a pair of their pride or pack. A dog may chase a cat as part of the animal's hunting instinct, but it's not animosity. Cats are fast and dogs like to chase fast things. If a cat or a dog feels that its territory is being intruded on, it may attack, but this is not limited to its so-called mortal en enemy. Squirrels, mice, fellow cats or dogs, and even humans are likely to get this treatment if the animal feels threatened. While cats and dogs communicate differently, peace is as likely between cats and dogs is as war. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, cats kill birds and mice for food. That's not true. <laughs> uh, a Tasmanian devil eats anything. Misconception that the Looney Tunes. <laughs> this is another over oversimplica oversimplification. Given the opportunity, a Tasmanian de devil would eat anything. As scary as it may seem, Looney Tunes' Taz is a spot-on depiction of the Tasmanian Devil. Honorary to the point of being psychotic by human standards, the Tasmanian Devil was so named after early settlers of Tasmania saw the marsupial's behavior. With jaws strong enough to deliver a bite that can cut steel cable, a Tasmanian Devil would kill or eat anything they come across. The Tasmanian Devil has been known to kill animals many times its size, including a sheep. Considering this, Tasmanian devils usually prefer to eat uh, carrion. Uh, How do you pronounce that? I don't know. C-A-R-R-I-O-N. C-A-R-R-Carrion? Carrion. Eat carrion are already dead animals. Tasmanian devils are roughly the size of medium-sized dogs. An adult devil can reach the length of 30 inches, weigh up to 26 pounds. Tasmanian devils are also slow, only capable of reaching speeds of 8 miles per hour. Tasmanian devils will also eat insects, fish, small birds, and snakes. So they will eat a lot of stuff, but they don't eat like non-food-related items as the Tasmanian devil in Looney Tunes would whip up into a tornado and devour everything. They're also not fast and can't whip up into a tornado. So Interesting. <laughs> Is it bad that I really didn't think Tasmanian devils were... You didn't think they were real? I mean, they don't really look like the Tasmanian Devil in the cartoon. But I, I really didn't. They are real. They look more like, I think, hyenas. I guess I haven't really looked at them in a while. But I, they do look more like a four-legged animal would huh. tend to look. I had no idea. Let's see here. Uh, Foghorn Leghorn. Remember him? The Asi Asi. That guy. Yes. Yes. He, uh... He's, he's labeled a chicken hawk. And okay. there's no such thing as a chicken hawk. Oh. <laughs> uh, ducks fly... Uh, ducks most... Uh, All right. Ducks must fly south for winter. Another misconception brought on by Looney Tunes. Ducks, like most migratory birds, do not always travel south for winter. They simply move from one habitat to another that may often... Uh, they may offer them better odds for survival. While this may mean that most ducks tend to travel south, ducks that have already uh, ready access to food may opt to winter where they are. Other ducks may travel west or even north to known feeding spots. Usually, the place ducks travel to migrate is based on their ancestral nests. So Daffy going to, uh, on strike from flying south is not so strange. Of note, domesticated ducks don't migrate during the winter at all. Domesticated ducks usually cannot fly. Some have clipped wings, while others are too fat. Well then. 
Oh, goodness. Rabbits are not fast burrowers. We see oftentimes, uh, we see Bugs Bunny just kind of moving under the earth really fast, zooming mm-hmm. to Albuquerque or whatever. It's going. That's not the case. They're pretty slow. But the last one, last one here, is the finger in the barrel. That you can put your finger in a gun barrel and it will cause the gun to not be able to fire or it will explode the gun. Please don't do that, guys. Please. (laughs) Common sense probably makes this a touch obvious, but just in case. In 2012, the Discovery Channel show Mythbusters tested the Bugs Bunny trope of sticking a finger in Elmer Fudd's shotgun to make it backfire and explode. The logic behind this is that by sticking a finger in the barrel, the airspace in front of the bullet cannot be vacated leaving the expanding gas behind the bullet with nowhere to go. This would turn the shotgun into a bomb. Mythbusters found that a finger stuck in the shotgun barrel would disintegrate in the path of the slug, along with most of the finger's arm. If Bugs was to plug a shotgun barrel with his finger, Bugs would have died or been horribly maimed. Fortunately, Looney Tunes is just a cartoon, and the laws of physics there are but a suggestion. We could have said just a suggestion. We didn't have to say but. This is a Christian show. Exactly. We did not have to say but unnecessarily. We say booty. <laughs> Thank you very much. So the laws of physics are booty a suggestion. <laughs> I appreciate that. When we come back, six mistakes that we make with new believers. But first, it's time for Love Thy Nerds Critical Hit with Hector Mira. And it's also Indie Music Tuesday, so we'll kick off a music break after that with three songs from bands that you might not have heard of, but you're going to know about now, because they're great. Stick around. We'll be back at the top of the hour. Hey everyone, this is the Love Thy Nerd Critical Hit. I'm Hector Mirai with Faith and Fandom, and I just wanted to share a quick thought with you. So I had a neighbor hit me up a few weeks ago to say he had a box of comic books for me. Now this dude didn't exactly strike me as a nerd aficionado, so I didn't put a lot of stock in it. I got the box, and it was a ragged brown box filled with books that looked like they'd been weathered, and on the top of the box was old 90s X-Men comics, which everybody and their mom has and isn't really of any great value. So I got the box, and I just sat it in my garage and ignored it. Well, I ended up cleaning my garage out yesterday, and I decided, let's sort through this stuff and see what we're keeping, what we're discarding, etc. And at the bottom of the box, literally the last issue in the box, was a first printing Star Wars number one from 1977, the original comic book adaptation of Star Wars. Now, it was a hot mess as far as a comic book, but it's a valuable book. It's $1,000 in mint condition or 50 bucks for hot garbage. So I was excited just to finally hold one and own one. And the fact that I had this amazing book in my possession for a while, but I didn't ever find it because I looked at just the box and judge that whatever's in there can't be of much value. And you know, we end up doing that to people a lot. We look at people's circumstances. We look at their appearance. We look at their past actions. We look at their failures and we think whatever's inside them probably isn't worth much. And if we're real, we do that with ourselves as well. We look at our own actions and appearances and failures and what other people have said about us and we think, I'm probably not worth much either. But God tells us in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not us. Literally, y'all, we have God's presence and spirit and love and salvation and peace and joy dwelling in our broken shambles of a container. You know, being a 90s kid, listening to Christian music and youth group, Jars of Clay was the ish. So I memorized this Bible verse. But realistically speaking, we need to look at ourselves and we need to look at others and realize there's probably a lot more value than what we see on the outside and that what God puts in us is of immeasurable value regardless of what we see. I want you to know that Love Thy Nerd exists to love and serve our nerdy neighbors 
through thoughtful content, relational outreach, and intentional community. Check out our website at lovethynerd.com, our thriving Facebook community where you can interact on a daily basis. We have several podcasts, one of which I host, and we're active on all the socials. You can also check me and my book series out over at Faith and Fandom on Facebook. show back row radio <laughs> it's tuesday we're glad to have you with wow, us what a difference <laughs> kick this hour off with a bit of back row news chick-fil-a appeared to forget that all of its locations are closed every sunday when it sent out a recent email inviting customers to celebrate national sandwich day according to usa today chick-fil-a sent an email to some of its loyalty members earlier this week prom- promoting the holiday which is celebrated on November 3rd, so I guess last week, mm-hmm. <laughs> which this year happened to be on a Sunday. However, the restaurant quickly realized their mistake and sent out a follow-up email with a subject line, well, this is awkward. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that. That's fantastic. That's awesome. All right. So we are going to be talking about today in our third hour Yeah. Uh, an article from Facts and Trends by Daniel Darling, and this is called Six Mistakes the Church Often Makes with New Believers. And this was kind of brought about with the the whole Kanye West thing, about how we reacted to him uh, coming to Christ, and how that kind of How we were awful people. Yes. (laughs) So let's go through this list real quick, see if we agree. And of course you can read this whole article at factsandtrends.net. Mm-hmm. Pardon me, I got the hiccups. Absorb them. Absorb them. They are absorbed. Number one. (laughs) So weird. Responding to a new believer with a lack of joy. Uh, He says, just as parents greet the entrance of a new baby into the world with joy, so should fellow believers greet the entrance of a new Christian, a new birth into the body of Christ. Luke 15.10 says that all of heaven rejoices when a sinner comes home. Think about this. What lights up heaven is that one more image bearer has been rescued from the clutches of darkness. One more prodigal has come home. If we are truly living for heaven, we should rejoice at what makes glad the heart of God. I think that's true. And I think absolutely, uh, especially like with the Kanye thing with with uh, public figures saying that they've come to Christ, we tend to react with skepticism because we know all the things this person has done in the past, which colors our thought process of no way that person could come to Christ. It's so funny that I'm <laughs> such a skeptic. Like we've made no comments about it in mm-hmm. the last couple of days. I am such a skeptic, but when it comes to things like that, yeah. I'm not. You're quicker to believe than yeah. anybody. <laughs> I don't understand my rationale, my my train of thought, but right there sometimes I'm more skeptical than you about <laughs> faith matter. <laughs> it yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, number 2, missing awe over the miracle of salvation. Skepticism is one thing, but surprise is another. Uh, my friend Brian Loritz Lure- uh, recently wrote... He's not your friend. Not my friend. <laughs> this guy's friend. Uh, like any miracle, conversions shock us. And that's exactly right. A conversion is always a surprising work of God, whether it takes place at 5 or 50, in a pew or in a prison. It's a miracle that I'm a believer. It's a miracle that you're a believer. We who were dead have been made alive. God, by his spirit, woos the heart of sinners and gives them new birth in Christ. So when we're not, we take it, I guess, too much as a standard thing. Like, oh, we got another one as if it were like a mechanical process. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We don't, we don't consider 
It's lost its all factor. Right. We don't consider how big of a deal it really is. Yeah. Especially, I guess, the longer you become, the longer you are a Christian and the longer you're in the Christian circles, it kind of, it loses its, yeah, its its wow factor. <clears throat> Which is a bad thing. Can I ask a question, though? Sure. As an extrovert, mostly extrovert, asking a mostly introvert. Mm-hmm. Would that not have, like, if everybody, when when you announced that you were a believer, that you were saved, and if everybody had been like, yay, and like, pat you on your back, and gave you a thousand hugs, and welcomed you to the family, you know, <coughs> essentially like a big family reunion, and you haven't seen these people in years, and they're welcoming you back, wouldn't that have, like, kind of, I ain't never coming back to this place. <laughs> That's a good question, and I think I have an answer for it. Okay. I feel like, yes, in the moment, I would be super uncomfortable, and I would hate how uncomfortable I was feeling, but at the same time, internally and emotionally, yeah, I think I would appreciate it. Okay. And I think that would outweigh it. Okay. I don't know if that would be true for every introvert, but I feel like it would be for me. Okay. I would hope so, anyway. Okay. Number three on the list of six things that we do wrong uh, in, uh, well, with with new believers. Number three, losing patience as a new believer stumbles. A new believer articulates enough understanding that he or she is a sinner desperately in need of grace, abandoning idols and self-righteousness at the cross. But that may be all they know. Those of us who've spent years studying and teaching the Bible shouldn't expect new converts to be as knowledgeable as we are. Paul says that the that his work among the people of uh, Thessalonica in uh, 1 Thessalonians 2.7, but we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. This kind of gentle care of a new convert requires spiritual maturity. In a social media age where we stand ready to mock wrong answers in order to get clicks, we need to resist this and patiently work with those who are new to the family of God. This is one of the things that I've seen with the Kanye West thing. He admitted that he was a Christian, and now people are picking apart every interview or everything that he's doing since then where he cusses. I'm like, dude, number one, most people in the world, you know, cuss at some point. What were you going to say? Show me the Bible verse where it says (laughs) you can't say a cuss word. Now, I know that there are verses that we... Have formed into meaning, don't Thank ever you. say a cuss word. Thank you. When they really mean don't curse other people, don't curse God's name, and yeah, stuff like Thank that. Thank you for finishing my yeah, thought. you're right. <laughs> I really needed that yesterday, but <laughs> better late than never, I suppose. <laughs> but, but even then, um, this guy has lived most of his life in the rap music scene. Which, give me any secular rap song that doesn't have at least 15 cuss words in it, I feel like, these days. And so sure. for him to even him to even scale that back just a little is a big step. And so if you're going to get all bent out of shape over a Christian who cusses, like that's the, the unforgivable sin in the Bible. <laughs> or something else, you know, like that. If they, you know, like... They like scary movies or something like that. Some weird thing that we have made into this giant problem. If you're a Christian, you can't do this kind of thing. They support Harry Potter. <laughs> oh, so you're a Christian now. You got to get rid of all these books, all these Harry Potter books. <clears throat> I'm going to go through your personal library and just pull out everything you can't have anymore. You know, it's it's just this weird, weird uh standard that we hold new christians up to mm-hmm. i'm like why can't we just focus on the fact that we got the main thing correct and then let them figure out everything else in their own personal journey <laughs> the main like one requirement that we really have <laughs> of the salvation that's pretty much the baseline anything above that should be considered gravy not, okay, you have this. Now you need all these other things to jive with the rest of us. Mo's right. Or Mo thinks I'm right. 
One hundred percent. She's just so upset. I'm trying not say. to verbalize anything. <laughs> One, because I don't think that I can form the right words, and I learned my lesson from yesterday. And two, because I don't want to get angry. So, you are right. All right, then let's move on. Number four in the list of six things that we do wrong with new believers: not allowing them to grow in wisdom before they assume a leadership role. I do think this is a big issue. That's a that's a mm-hmm. really good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Daniel says here, Paul urges Timothy to not put a novice in leadership. Too often we're tempted to give a new believer leadership roles before they're ready, particularly if they're a celebrity. It's tempting to see someone's natural gifts and talents as automatically thrust them into leadership roles for which they aren't spiritually prepared. This not only hurts the church, it hurts the person pushed into prominence prematurely. Ooh, that was a lot of peas. <laughs> We should go slow and let some sanctification and discipleship take root. Uh, Ironically, Paul's words to Timothy were born out of his own experience. Before he was commissioned by the early church, he spent three years in obscurity in Arabia learning and growing. In Galatians 1. So I think that's a really good one. I think it's one that a lot of people, you know, there's always a need within the church. Mm -hmm. Always. It doesn't matter if it's a small church or a big church. Always a need. Yeah. The harvest is plenty. The workers are few. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I think that you see a new person, even if it's just a new member and you don't necessarily know their salvation story, you just know that they, they've recently started coming to the church. Okay, let's get them plugged in. Let's figure out where they can serve and what they can do. And then that person, especially a new believer, almost has this feeling of obligation like oh well this is what i'm supposed to be doing okay they can't turn it down yeah and i think sometimes it happens the other way too uh that person gets saved and they get excited and they get on fire and they're like i want to do something now right and so they push for it as well i think it happens on both sides and yeah both are (coughs) not uh not ideal situations uh, like celebrate recovery does it right. Like if you want to be like a leader that's leading over other people, mm-hmm. you need to be clean for at least six months. You are encouraged to have gone through a step study, which is a really, really intense uh, discipleship event, mm-hmm. uh, essentially. That takes about six takes months. another six months to do. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's it's uh, it's preparing you to be in a position to where you can have some sort of at least spiritual discipline to pass on to those that are underneath you. And so if you're in a position where you're being put in this ministry, where I think typically where we see it is like with kids ministries, you get put in a, a new believer will get put into like a, like a wanna or something like that in a role that maybe just kind of be like a helper to a main leader. But you know, eventually there's going to be a chance where it's a one-on-one conversation. Yeah. And they're not ready for that situation, but they might not know they're not ready for that situation until it happens. Yeah. Um, But yeah, absolutely. I agree with that one. And it's a sad, I've known one person who's had the boldness and the courage, but this is just her personality. I've known one person who has said, I don't think I'm okay for that position. I don't think I can do it. Mm. And Sadly, it was then a matter of, well, then we're not asking her to do anything then. Mm. If she's not willing to to serve here, then we're not. Instead of jumping to those conclusions, yeah, let's ask. And then let's <laughs> disciple if the process needs to happen. Let's mm-hmm. walk alongside that person. But yeah, I think it's just a, a, a touchy subject <sighs> or a touchy scenario on both ends. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Number five on our list of six things we do wrong with new believers. Failure to adequately encourage a new Christian. Uh, We're wise to watch a new convert over a long period of time to see if they're truly regenerated. But at the same time, our first response shouldn't be cynicism or wish they were, quote unquote, our kind of Christian. Uh, We're not saved into, uh, into parochial tribes were baptized into the body of Christ. So a new believer doesn't need our Phariseeism, but our encouragement. And so we kind of touched on this mm-hmm. personally. We, we added our own stuff to this in the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they need a new family, not a new group of accusers, which is exactly right. Um, but yeah, we already touched on that. So let's move on. Last one on our list, not welcoming them with a posture of humility. There's a tendency to disbelieve conversions happened, especially when they come out of a hedonistic or antagonistic life, which we also touched on. 
Some in the early church doubted Paul's conversion because he was the least likely person to be saved. Sometimes we convince ourselves that we're the kind of people God wants to save. But the grace of God applied to us is just as scandalous as the grace he applies to others. My salvation cost God as much as, as, uh, as much as anyone else's because the wretch in Newton's amazing grace refers to me, not just those other people. God is in the business of saving people from celebrities like Kanye West to ordinary folks in your part of the world. Let's rejoice like heaven every time a sinner crosses a threshold of mercy, and let's not miss an opportunity to welcome a new brother or sister into the family of God. Mm-hmm. So essentially, this is saying, basically, anytime you're skeptical of someone else's salvation, you should have been skeptical of your own as well. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yep. It's, that's very true. I mean, yep. yeah. I'm not going on anymore. <laughs> I'm it's not, very, no I'm more like, rants. That was I'm a mind blow <laughs> for me. Even though like I I knew it, I really like the way that that was put. Yeah. If I'm going to be skeptical. 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 Exactly. <laughs> oh, gosh. We're already worn out. It's barely Tuesday. I know. We're just worn out We're from done. talking. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this full article you can read. There's there's more to it. Uh, this full article you can read at factsandtrends.net. Six Mistakes the Church Often Makes with New Believers by Daniel Darling. Check it out. It's got a picture of Kanye West. So just look for that picture, I guess. Uh, let's <laughs> Before we close out the show, uh, today, like you said earlier, today is National... Pizza with the works, except anchovies day. And so I went on Twitter earlier this week and I asked, in anticipation of this question, how many toppings do you enjoy on your pizza? So we're going to see of the answers. I'm going to have you guess which one people... I'm going to have you guess the order. Okay. The whole order. Okay. So the question was, how many toppings do you enjoy on your pizza? The options were... Just one or two, thanks. I like to double up on one, pile them all on, or I'm a plain cheese person. So I think the top answer is just one or two things. Wrong. What? Yeah. Wow. Not pile them all on. Top answer is pile them all on. 48%, nearly half of the people who voted on this poll said pile them all on. The pizza doesn't cook correctly when you've got all those toppings on there. And then you try and hold it and it flops over. Stuff falls everywhere. It's a big mess. Y'all are doing it wrong. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, so what was number two? <clears throat> um, well, now I don't know. <laughs> now I don't trust y'all. <laughs> uh, plain cheese, number two. No. Darn. Number two was just one or two things <laughs> at 38%. So still a good chunk of people. What are There are two more. There's plain cheese and then... And I like to double, I like up, to on double up topping. I'm going to go with double up. Yep. Plain cheese was third. <laughs> Congratulations, Mo. You got them all wrong. <laughs> Y'all are doing pizza wrong. I'm a plain cheese person. 8%. Only 5% said I like to double up on one topping. But that's me. I like to double up. I like to get double pepperoni. Yeah. Uh, because that's when they start getting like crispy mm-hmm. on there. You get the little brown yep. edges. Oh my goodness gracious. So pepperoni and jalapeno on a thin crust is like my number one pizza. Pepperoni and black olive on a thin crust would be mine. It's that my number two would be extra pepperoni. Yeah. Gosh. It's so number good. three would be plain cheese and then number four is when you're putting all the stuff on it. Because it doesn't cook right. <laughs> I don't care for plain cheese any other way but Pizza Hut thin crust. Yeah. Because then it's just like a cheese at cracker. Right. <laughs> but it's good. But for some reason, the plain cheese on the thin crust at Pizza Hut for me has a specific flavor that I don't taste with plain cheese of any other kind or any other store. Okay. But these are these are the store. These are the chain restaurants anyway. We have to move on because I'm hungry. <laughs> Stick around. We'll be back soon to close out the show.
Saturday morning cartoons. Six hours of classic Christian rock, rap, and pop every week at 8 a.m. Eastern. Only on Radio. Row Morning Show. As we close out your show, we got your Bible verse and thought for the day. Bible verse for the day is Colossians 1.9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. And our thought for the day comes from Paul David Tripp. Grace opens your eyes to see the powerful, loving, and faithful hand of God in all those places where you thought you were independent, controlling, and accomplishing things on your own. Thank you for joining us today. We're here every Monday through Thursday at 7 a.m. Eastern, 4 a.m. Pacific, with an encore at 10 Eastern and 7 Pacific. Podcasts usually available in the afternoons on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the Back Row Radio app. Hey, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Back Row Radio, and join our laughter-inducing Facebook community, Back Row Baptist Church, by going to brbchurch.com. If you love what we do here at Back Row Morning Show and Back Row Radio, please consider partnering with us at patreon.com slash backrowradio. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash backrowradio. Android users, get the new app. It's got Trip on it, our little ice cream cone mascot. Get that if you haven't already iPhone users, we're hoping. We're hoping it'll be there soon. We'll let you know. That's it for the show. Mo, what's the final word? I love pizza. (laughs) If you need us, we'll be in the back. Bye!